You're listening to the Madcast Media Network. Madcastmedia.com. Today's episode is brought to you by the best store in the universe. Thousands of shirts, but not really. Shop now and support the show at MaddoxRules.com. Welcome to the best debate in the universe. Every debate in the universe, from flaming hot Cheetos to Italian men in Speedos. With over 3 million downloads, I'm your host, Maddox. With me is the Deputy Cadet Moderator, Rod Babcock. Hey. And as always, the Junior Journalist, Taylor Nikolai. Hi. Welcome back to the show. Guys, exciting show, huge debate this week. We're going to be debating whether or not nice guys finish last. Or, Or in other words... Can Good People Get Ahead? And we've got the perfect guest for this episode. He's an author. He's been syndicated in Time Magazine, The Week, Business Insider, and has a mailing list with over 320,000 people. He does talks all over the country. Please welcome to the show, Eric Barker. Eric, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, man. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Now, you've also written this book. It was a bestseller on Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal, that's right. It's called Barking Up the Wrong Tree, The Surprising Science Behind Why Everything You Know About Success is Mostly Wrong. Now, why mostly wrong? What's uh, what, what are some... <clears throat> oh, I mean, I, I didn't want to... You see so many business books where it's like, here's the one answer. All you need to do is this, and this yeah. is the solution to everything. Right. And I'm going to say it on the first page and then repeat it for 250 more pages. And life's just not that simple. So I tried to approach the things a little more nuanced. So everything's not black and white, a little bit shades of gray. But, you know, I think we can get some some clear answers. Yeah. And we're going to get to one chapter in particular because you wrote about this, yeah. Do Nice Guys Finish Last? And that's the crux of this debate. This is something that, uh, you know, it's kind of a common, it's a colloquialism that a lot of people hear. Absolutely. And people, I think, kind of take for granted without really thinking about what that means. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we delve in, you delve into it in your in your book in, in Chapter 2. So this will be fascinating. We're going to get to that debate in just a minute. But this is your chance to vote on madcastmedia.com. I like people to vote sometimes listening before and after the debate yeah. to see if their opinions yes. <laughs> sway, right, at all. So you can go to madcastmedia.com. Also, the voicemail number is on our website, madcastmedia.com. Click on the best debate. The voicemail number is at the bottom of every page. You can call in, and we'll play some voicemail later on in the show. And then we've got some quick news headlines with our junior journalist, Taylor Nikolai. That's my name. Yeah, but before we begin, I this is normally the part of the show where I talk about the buzzers that we'll all be using, right? I'll, I we all like to hear everyone's buzzers, but I got a voicemail about that, and I normally save all the voicemail till the end of the show, till the uh, you know after the debate. But I want to play one in particular because it uh, sets up the buzzers for this show. Listen to this. Hey, Maddox, this is Adam. Um, I'm finally calling in about something that's been bothering me about your show for a long time now. Uh, you're coming up on your 100th episode, and yet still without fail, every episode you explain to the audience what the buzzer sound effect means. I mean, you got like a 30-second spiel explaining that, oh, if you hear a buzzer during the debate, this is what it might mean. <laughs> what level of contempt do you have for your fans and your audience do you think that it's, I mean, if you don't explain it to them, they'll be sitting there and being like, oh. Oh, oh my goodness, like, that that buzzer sound, that could have meant literally anything in the middle of this fucking debate podcast I'm listening to. Like, oh, one of the sound effects is literally a man shouting the word wrong. But, oh, who knows? <laughs> could have meant anything. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. All right, uh, good show. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, I was I, I was saying before we recorded, I said my fans are assholes. Yeah. Okay, listen, shithead. First of all, right out the right out the gates, we're gonna do one of these. 
Yeah, douchebag of the week. Because <laughs> shithead, when people don't create podcasts, when people don't broadcast for a living, when people don't write and produce content for a living, you kind of take for granted that the past audience is your past audience and you'll never grow your audience. If someone's listening to the show for the first time, I kind of have to explain a little bit about what we're doing, you know, the conceit of the show. And Traitor. by the way, we have that's oh, Ron sorry, Babcock. Sorry, my finger slipped there. <laughs> oh, okay. Was that an accident? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let that one slide, Ron. Because <laughs> you might be up for a promotion or demotion. <laughs> oh, we, uh, man. We'll oh, see. Shit. That's okay. right. We don't fuck around I didn't even here. know that was a possible oh, on the podcast. Po- it's possible. You're going to set precedent. Yeah. <laughs> Now we've had we've had promotions and demotions in the past. My old moderator Rucka was uh, demoted at one point, and he became the superintendent of cum dumpsters uh, because <laughs> because I thanked him in my book, mm-hmm. and I and I I was sure he hadn't read it, and he, he still hasn't. I'm, I was, you know what? I still don't think he's read it. Anyway. But the point. I the sleep buzzer. with the book every night. Holy shit, Thank man! You. you wrote a book? Yeah, I wrote a. I wrote a book, Ron. I, that's so. I did not know that. Yeah, you should pick it up. Yeah. It's available at Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the buzzers. The point is, there is like four or five guests on the show sometimes, and everyone has a different buzzer. So if somebody chimes in with that buzzer, and the listener at home doesn't know who it belongs to, they don't know who's buzzing in, do you, shithead? So your normal explanation because of this voicemail was actually three times longer <laughs> this time. Correct. Ron Babcock. Well, here's this is my buzzer. Thank you, Ron. Now, if the listener at home hears that buzzer, they know it corresponds to Ron, and Ron is the one trying to interject. And they certainly wouldn't know it was me when I start immediately talking after the buzzer. You know, that would be... No, because sometimes people cut off like, other who's people. Like, who's this guy? Yeah. That that was my, was my buzzer. Okay, Taylor, that's Taylor's buzzer, and Eric, let's hear yours. Wrong! If you hear, <laughs> if you hear a buzzer from anyone during this debate, that means someone is disagreeing with someone else, or we're just inter- oh, interjecting. Oh, cool, that's what the point. buzzer means. Yeah, okay, I was always a little bit... And if you complain about the buzzer explanation, the buzzer explanation gets longer. It's yeah. It's just, that's... Yeah. What an asshole. Uh, <laughs> it's callers. Like I was saying, Eric, my band, you know, a lot of shitheads. I feel uh, like anyway. you have a lot of helpful assholes. <laughs> helpful assholes? Fair. Yeah. And they're assholes. I don't know how helpful they are. But speaking of assholes, do nice guys finish last? That's the crux of the debate this week, right? Yeah. Eric, as our guest this week, I'm going to give you a first stab of the debate. What do you think? Do nice guys finish last? What's really interesting is uh, Adam Grant is a professor at Wharton uh did research uh, on this, and he, he split people up into three categories, givers, matchers, and takers. Givers are people who give altruistically. Matchers are people who try and keep an even balance between giving and taking. And takers are people who try to get as much as possible and not give back. And what he found initially was that givers, the nice guys, uh, do end up in a number of careers, the bottom of success metrics. But then when he did the full study, he found out the results were actually bimodal. They're at the bottom and they're at the top. So you get this interesting result where, and it makes intuitive sense. We all know some martyr who does too much for other people, doesn't look out for themselves and gets exploited. But we also know people who do a lot for others, you know, bust their butt. Everybody respects them. Everybody, you know, feels indebted to them. And these people do well. So the funny thing is, good people, you know, nice guys end up at the very bottom or at the very top. They can do this, but they usually don't end up in the middle. Well, hold on, Eric. What that means, when I hear any any kind of uh, study or mm-hmm. result that yeah. shows the subject that you're studying yeah. ending up on the top and the bottom of the spectrum, that means that that's not a good control variable, right? Doesn't that, doesn't <laughs> that then mean that there's something, there's some other 
uh, variable that that needs to be taken into consideration that plays more into whether or not nice guys like their personality type. That there, that there isn't there is another variable that determines yeah. it's not just luck because I mean like I think if you if you looked in other arenas you know like other kind of quote unquote like tournament industries so like rock stars or stuff you're not going to find that many you know you know musicians who make a pretty good living but you're going to find some who make millions and some who don't make much money at all they're right. going to tend towards the extremes of the statistical tales right but like no you're absolutely right and so Adam did look and try and figure out what's the difference between the nice guys who get exploited and the nice guys who do pretty well and there there are a number of variables uh, such as those matchers the people who try and keep justice who keep balance in the universe when a nice guy goes into and works at a company where they're surrounded by takers, that's when those people end up screwed because they're basically outnumbered. When givers are surrounded by matchers, matchers don't like takers. <laughs> matchers want good people to be rewarded. So basically, there's like a bodyguard effect. So which environment you choose to be in actually affects it dramatically. When if you if you're if you're a nice guy, perhaps on like a, you know in a vicious law firm or on Wall Street. Probably not so good. Nice guy working for a nonprofit might do pretty well. You know, it's that balance between who you are and how that interacts with your context. It's just okay, the guy at the like investment firm. Hey guys, I brought muffins for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Corey. <laughs> exactly. So when you say like a giver, like can you give a kind of some examples of like so it's not just monetarily are you talking about mostly t like people with time or like kind of um self-sacrificing actions i mean in in any arena where ba basically you know givers first inclination is to altruistically help others and they're they're not keeping they're not keeping a scorebook you know it's like takers are are trying to get as much for themselves and they they're not going to do things for other people matchers are keeping the ledger where hey wait a second pal i've done okay. three things for you so you didn't do anything for me wait Wait, wait, this, I'm getting screwed here. As long as it's balanced. Yes. Okay. So, you know, versus givers are just like, help you again tomorrow? Sure. Help you again tomorrow is their inclination. But again, it's like, that's why the combo of giver with a matcher around works out pretty well because the matcher will be there to be like, hey, wait, 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 wait. He's trying to take advantage of you. Like, like the nice guy goes onto the car lot and how much does it cost? No, wait, wait, wait. We're not paying the sticker price. You know, that kind of balance works off well for one another. Okay, that's interesting. So the the matcher is is always keeping like a, a scorebook, right? Yes. They're trying yeah. to. Okay, so. It's your friend when you go out with him. You're like, actually, um, you didn't factor in tax and tip last yep. time, <laughs> and so like I paid two extra dollars. So this time yeah. you should pay that guy. Oh, yeah, the the the, ta the taker is okay. Well, does this math benefit me? Yeah, okay, that's like, good. You know when you go out and you split a bill yeah. like right down the middle, but uh, in your head you're like, well, but your entree was eighteen ninety five and oh mine was twelve ninety five. So like, I didn't drink. You and, drank. Yeah, I, I have this friend in in Utah back home. Guy drives me nuts. He's like one of my best friends. I've known him for like. 30 years, something like that, 20, 20, 25 years. I've known him forever. Um, everything he does annoys me. And <laughs> <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a good friend. Oh, I, I, I know these friends. He came over to visit one time, and I was putting limes in my fridge, and one of the limes fell out and rolled on the ground. He goes, you better wash that. I'm like, why? Why? It's a lime. I'm just going to cut it open and squeeze the yeah. juice. It's like, well, you know, because when you cut it, the knife touches the outside rim of the lime, and as you're cutting it, it goes through the lime. I'm it like, goes through the acid that eats away exactly, anything. Exactly, and yeah. that drove me nuts that he pointed that out. I'm like, you are 
it, it, I, everything drives me nuts about this guy. And then the other the other thing, the reason I mention him, the reason I mention this guy is because we would go to restaurants sometimes and we'd split the bill. And if it came to something like, you know, $10.50, because between the four of us, I'd say, give me $11. He says, no, I'm going to give you ten fifty. I'm like, why don't you just round? It's 50. You round up. Yeah. Give me $11. Yeah. He goes, well, I don't think I should have to pay one cent more than I owe, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm paying for your meal. He goes, no, you don't have to do that. I'm like, no, I want to do that you're an <laughs> asshole. I don't give a shit about your fucking 50 cents, idiot. And Oh, man. Anyway, uh, sorry. I'm just having like a complex from going to <laughs> split bills with this guy. But yeah, so so that's that's like a, an extreme matcher. Well, the, pro- the problem that matchers run into is like takers... I mean, so much of the research, there's actually one study that is depressing and hysterical at the same time uh, that's called bad is stronger than good. And basically, it just shows in the short term, bad is so much stronger because it usually gets the advantage. If you grab for yourself initially, initially you do better. Over the longer term, you're going to get a reputation. People aren't going to want to deal with you. But in the short term, good people can get screwed if you're out there doing favors. And that's why for takers, they do very well initially before they develop a reputation, before people figure it out. That's their advantage. Giver's advantage is, again, stick around long enough. Somebody's going to realize, I've known that guy 10 years. He has never screwed me. He has always been there. Matchers, Again, they're always monitoring, so it's hard to screw them too much. The only problem is matchers are always waiting. Takers grab immediately. Givers don't. They're just doing favors, and eventually people feel indebted. Matchers are always waiting for an invitation to the party because they're not going to do something for you until they know that you'll give back. And so, like, each one has their... It's like we're talking about classes of Dungeons & Dragons. Like, everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses here. But it's like, for matchers, they're always kind of waiting to respond. You know what I hate about, like... um. In the restaurant industry. And I feel like we, our society in general, rewards takers. Because I know like if I was, when I worked as a a restaurant, if a customer was really pissed off, Mm -hmm. like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Like you do everything you can be like, oh my God, they're so pissed off. Can we just like comp their appetizer or a round of drinks? And you talk to your manager like, fine. And then he gives you like, hey, real sorry about that. But then if you had somebody who was like... Like their steak was like way overcooked and be like, I'm sorry about that. They're like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, sweet. I don't got to do anything. They're fine. <laughs> yeah. And I, we only, our whole system is set upon like rewarding people's bad behavior. It, that's a huge issue. One of the things that, one of the things that the researchers found that you can, you can try in some ways to get around that is they call it extending the shadow of the future. The more things are short term, the more bad behavior, it benefits you. If I'm never going to see you again, I could screw you over. You're never going to get a chance to retaliate. Versus if you know... You're basically like, describing me on the road. I, 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 I'm like, they, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> like two fingers up, going through the light. There, there, there you go. Yeah. Ver, versus screwing somebody over on a transcontinental flight within the first five minutes. It's like, we're going to be on this plane together for 12 hours. Yeah. Or at your job, like where you see I, them every day. A, a, exactly. So anything, if you think you're going to try and be a giver and try to do the right thing and you don't want to get screwed, the one thing you want to think about is how can I extend this that make it longer they're gonna have to deal with me more you're gonna be on your better behavior if you have mutual friends with somebody or you're gonna be dealing with them again if there's more steps in the contract this thing is gonna last two years instead of two hours anything you can do to extend it is gonna increase good behavior because the other side knows you're gonna get a chance to retaliate so that's a critical thing in terms of protecting yourself without having to like i don't have to be a jerk i just want you to know 
that if you're bad today, I'm going to have a chance to be bad tomorrow. So maybe you want to think twice. So going along with this, this is actually part of game theory. And uh, the takeaway point is conflict is the only solution to one-shot prisoner's dilemma play. I've got a whole section on the prisoner's dilemma in there. You're you're absolutely right. Let's explain the prisoner's dilemma and how this relates specifically to that. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically, the the prisoner's dilemma is, you know, you and a friend uh, commit a crime. The police uh, separate the two of you and start interrogating you. And, you know, and basically, if you both keep your mouth shut, you get like you'll both get like one year in prison. And if you both if you both uh, if you if you both turn the other guy and you're both kind of going to get screwed. So basically what it comes down to the math, it's like a two by two. the, The math comes in the best scenario for you is if the other guy keeps his mouth shut and you turn him in. That's that gives you the best return. Right. But if you both do that, if you both turn the other guy in, you both get screwed. So it's this issue of, you know, how how can you get the best kind of return and, you know, you get nothing, you know, you do the best again if if you if you turn him in, the other guy keeps his mouth shut. So it sounds like it sounds like Eric that uh, the best case scenario is if both prisoners testify against the other right individually yeah individually because Mm -hmm. hoping that the other one will stay quiet right so doesn't that then lead to the worst you know a worst case scenario for for everyone if everyone is is acting in their best interest in that that's and that's the challenge yeah and also what happens when you get out of prison (laughs) you've been in there for three years and it's like oh yeah does anybody know where kevin is because i want to stab him yeah (laughs) well so this is this has been something that's kind of uh, been deconstructed by a brilliant mathematician who won i think the nobel prize uh nash i think john nash right that's that's beautiful the beautiful beautiful mind is is, is nash the nash equilibrium which says that acting in the interest of the group sometimes is better than acting out of self-interest. So, and that can like benefit everyone as a whole if you do occasionally act in the interest of the group. And there's a lot of mathematical models that show this to be the case. And they apply this Nash equilibrium effect to the fish hatching industry and and fisheries. (laughs) So they have um, a limited supply like fish. And if fishermen all fish to their heart's content, right, they will they will hit a population collapse in a certain species and no one can ever fish that fish again because it'll go extinct or there won't be enough to, to fish. So what Nash came along and said is he, he created a formula. He said, look, if everybody just fishes to the certain amount, then we'll have more for the entire industry and future industries. We'll be able to keep it sustainable. Yeah. So if everyone acted out of their their uh, self-interest, mm-hmm. you know, they would they would end their, their own industry that they're in. Well, I mean, again, you know, that's that's totally true. The the thing you have to factor in is the issue of timelines. So it's again, how long am I going to be here? How long is this going to? If if I if I knew I'm if I knew if you knew ahead of time that you're going to live to be 85 years old, you'd live your life in one way. If I could tell you you're going to die at 25, you'd live your life very differently. All right. And that's the that's the critical thing here, where you say, hey, everybody should do the right thing that benefits everybody. Okay, well, what if I think anticipating? I don't trust that guy across the side. He is going to try and get as much as possible and then monopolistically dominate the fishing industry and cause me problems. I need to take him out to prevent, to save all of us. Right. If I don't think the other guy's going to play fair, then me playing fair, then you can end up 
as one of the givers at the bottom. Now, again, I'm not saying, hey, be a jerk. I'm saying these are the issues where it hinges on. In general, absolutely, if everybody's playing, the, the issue generally becomes one of timelines where this kind of a short-term strategy. Uh, actually, in biology, they even talk about a lot of personal, uh, a lot of the dark triad is, uh, is three personality characteristics you hear a lot about. Narcissism, psychopathy, Machiavellianism. These are obviously negative traits when we talk about personal ethics. But why are they so common? And that's because in certain circumstances, they're effective. What people talk about, uh, psychologists talk about, is they call what's called a fast life strategy. If I'm in a very dangerous scenario, I'm not living in a first world country, making a really nice salary, I'm going to die, you know, having his Cheating and screwing over people to have as many kids as possible is a is a sound evolutionary strategy, as awful and unethical as it might be. So how do you set up your society or even in a game theory situation like this? How do you set up a scenario so that you are, you know, rewarding people to have that longer attitude? Much like you were saying, I'm in the car. <laughs> you know, that's because being in a car, I'm never going to see you again. Do you think people yeah. are inherently good or evil? I, I think once again, you know, what is good today might be, it's very difficult to say. Because what you're saying is, is like... It's almost like a strategy. Yeah. You're talking about kind of investing. Yeah. So like a taker, it doesn't think long-term investing. They yeah. just see short-term gains yeah. where a giver is like a long-term investor. But in a way, it's like, I don't like, I wonder how many people do things maybe subconsciously like where they're doing it for altruism, but really what they're doing it for is because they know, hey, I'm going to do this guy a solid now because down the road, it's yeah. coming back to me. Like it's this selfish motivator. And I don't even know if that's a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But like I'm wondering is like is is selfishness really driving everything? We just have two different ways of going about it. One has a short-term view, one has a long-term view, and then you got those fuckers in the middle who are playing both sides. Well, the, 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 that's the question is it's like how how do we tip those fuckers in the middle <laughs> towards if if somebody there's some people who It's like the independence in an election like just I, make a fucking choice or I, I mean I mean it's you know it's like there's some people who will not steal no matter what. There are some people who will steal anything that's not nailed down. And if they can pry it loose, it's not nailed down. <laughs> and then there's the people in the middle. The, the battle is for the hearts and minds of those. And so, you know, randomness, you never know what you're going to get. That's why it's randomness versus strategically saying, how can we incentivize people to, to do the right thing that will, on average... Because the right thing isn't good enough. You know what I mean? Like, we have to incentivize people to do the right thing because just doing the right thing, like, isn't worth it for some people. Well, so that, that goes... Uh, well, I, it becomes very hard. It becomes very hard to... If, if people look around, and we've all been in this situation, if you look around and you see bad people being rewarded, it gets really hard to listen to people telling you, do the right thing. I saw well, this motherfucker in my old apartment <laughs> building on Earth Day throwing out cardboard boxes in the dumpster when there were six recycling cans. <laughs> Right next to the dump. Hilarious. On Earth Day. Was it me? Was it me throwing it out? Fuck it. Here's the. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Fire it up. I, I think what you're really asking, uh, according to what the debate is, is are nice guys nice guys because they're actually nice? Yes. Well, so this is this is something that's kind of interesting. This goes back to the Ben Franklin effect. Uh, now, for those who aren't familiar with the Ben Franklin effect, have you heard of this, Ron? No. Okay, so uh, he has this famous quote. He says, he that has once done you a kindness will be more ready to do you another than he 
whom yourself have obliged. So if you do, if somebody has done you a favor once, they're more likely to do you a favor again. And the reason is, and this is a phenomenon called the Ben Franklin effect, he had this political adversary in his time who hated his guts and was constantly bashing him and bad-mouthing him. And Ben Franklin did an interesting experiment one time. He went over to this guy's house. He knew that he had this rare collection of books in his library. And he asked for a very rare book to borrow from this guy. And the guy's like, uh... <laughs> Okay, here you go, idiot. He gave him this book, and, and uh, Ben Franklin, you know, kept it for thirty days. I don't even think he read it. Yeah. Like a month, a month later, he returned the book, and the shortly, shortly thereafter, this political adversary of his became much nicer to Ben Franklin. Really? Yeah, almost like a light switch, and he started treating him better. He started talking less. And who invented that light switch? Poorly, Ben, ben Franklin. <laughs> yeah. Ben Franklin, there you go, full circle. But this guy started treating him much better, and the reason is, the psychology behind it, psychologists have kind of like broken this apart, is because if you if your actions don't correspond to your beliefs, you will change your beliefs to correspond with your actions. So here this guy is saying he hates Ben Franklin's guts, right? But he did him this favor, and now there's a cognitive dissonance going on, right? I hate this person, yet I'm doing something nice for this person, so therefore I must not hate this person. So he changed his beliefs to match his actions. And that's at Tim Wilson at UVA has done research along the same lines in terms of you, utilizing that to, to help people who, who are depressed, who have issues going on, is rather than you know, talk therapy and understand everything is, you know, you know, do good, feel good. Basically, if you start volunteering more, if you start helping people more, now all of a sudden you're using the Ben Franklin effect to benefit yourself, where now it becomes very hard to tell yourself, I'm a bad person. I'm awful. Really? You spent like 10 hours last week, like helping the homeless. Yeah. How can you, you're now using that to feel better about yourself because it's really hard to tell yourself you're a bad person when you're doing more and more good things. Okay. So, so back to the heart of this debate, do nice guys finish last? If these nice people are doing acts of altruism, yeah. or at least the, things that they think are being altruistic, yeah. then at the end, even if they don't get the, you know, the, the career success or financial success that mm -hmm. these jerks would, yeah. would get themselves... Aren't they winning in the end because they are themselves feeling better, psychologically healthier? Isn't that isn't that the well, case? This is something that it's an excellent point. Is uh, there's a few studies that are really fascinating, like um, uh, the uh, the Grant study at Harvard and the Terman study that are longitudinal studies. The so Grant study at the, Harvard. No, no, Grant. Grant. Okay. They followed people. <laughs> they said their, Grant. I was like, all right, guys. Calm yeah, it's down. like yeah, it's like you guys need to just take it down a notch. They basically followed. They're longitudinal. They followed people for their entire lives. So rather than like, hey, where where are college students here? We'll test them two weeks later. Oh, here's the effect. This is they followed people like from literally from college age until they died, and they would like retest them on certain things, and you could see. And one of the things they found with with uh, in the Terman study that went people from like childhood until until old age was that you know nicer people are happier and the more well, they expected it was actually surprising to them they expected to find that people who got more favors got more goodies uh were happier what they found is people who gave more 
were happier. The people yeah. who received was nice, but actually giving these people felt better. And uh oh, he's going for the button. I uh, just, I just, I wanted to chime in. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving this. Yeah. I'm oh, wait. Yeah. How do we know who buzzed in? Mm-hmm. Oh, gee. Thank God we set that up at the top of the show, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking assholes. Thank you, what is Maddox. This? Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry. What are these buttons for? <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. We just play along with them. Okay. Here we go. Ron speaking. Uh, <laughs> All right, here's my thing with the whole nice guys thing. It, and it's because, like, I'll be honest, I, I was this guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> I am this guy. But, like, you know, like, you know, the dudes yeah. when, like, I don't understand why she doesn't like me. Like, she just wants fucking assholes. Like, yeah. I'm just a nice guy. Yeah. Like, you have all these bros, yeah. these kids who call themselves nice guys, yeah. and they get really butt hurt that yeah. they don't get the girl they want. Yeah. And I know this guy because I used to be this guy. Yeah. And I think. When you call yourself a nice guy and you rely on the whole, well, a nice guy's finished last, in a way, I think it's this, like, abdication of personal responsibility, where it gives you this, like, comfort, like, this little blanket you get to wear. It's like, well, I don't get to win because I'm a nice guy. Yeah. And I I think that that's kind of bullshit, because I think really what you're saying is, like, I'm going to take solace in the fact that nice guys finish last. Like, it's, it's, it's beyond me. Yeah. You know, I, I have no personal responsibility because there it's a rule in the universe. Yeah. And I just can't win because I'm a nice guy. Yeah. Rather than just like fucking going for it. And yeah, okay. I, and so I was this guy. My question is in a relationship then, what is the definition of a nice guy? So if a, if a, in this case a pathetic quote unquote person is saying, uh, I'm a nice guy and I and I can't get the girl because of that, what is he doing that's a nice guy in that situation? I think he's constantly putting the other person's needs above his own or her own. Oh, sorry. I, did you guys hear something? Yeah, I, they're I the didn't. buzz because a brilliant man wants to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, finish Ron. No, I well, think that yeah. it, the definition of a nice guy to me is somebody who puts the other person's needs above their own, but they never express that to the other person. So they feel very persecuted. Like, I do all this stuff. And the other person's like, dude, I didn't even know you were doing that shit. You're yeah. just like doing all this stuff yourself. Yeah. And then like... Because they love that feeling of persecution. Maddox, what were you going to say? Yeah, something brilliant was what I was going to say. Now, I have, I, I know what the nice guy is in a relationship, and this is this is a huge problem. The nice guy, the dreaded nice guy, okay? So this is a guy who's too much of a coward to tell a woman that he's interested in her sexually. But he'll continue hey, to do- Hey, I'm interested in you sexually. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll continue to do her favors and try to curry fra- favors with her, and- the entire time he's expecting some kind of affection or or some kind of uh, you know some kind of sexual on, man, attention. I helped you move exactly in return, and it doesn't happen. So then they become bitter and angry, and they say, "Oh, I've been friend zoned." When in reality, you're the person who put yourself in the friend zone, dipshit. This I girl, agree. This, I, I, I yeah. couldn't agree more. A nice guy. Uh, you know, the quote, nice guy, right? Now, we're not talking about men who are actually nice or, or women who are actually nice. We're talking about the quote, nice guy, yeah. is somebody who does favors for something in return. They act like your friend yeah. when they're really the matcher. They're the scorekeeper. Well, I, I th- exa- and I think that's what's critical. I think you have you have genuine people. You have people who are genuinely who are genuinely nice. And then I think, you know, what you're specifically talking about is is the entitlement issue, the you owe Boom. me. What yeah. did you write a book? No. Yeah, you can see it, Eric. You know, it's like if if I I mean if you're a giver, you're doing for others, and I'm not necessarily expecting, well, now you owe me. Mm-hmm. So if you're a matcher, 
masquerading as a giver, I think you get that nice guy phenomenon. Okay. If you say, I, I hey, I did that for you and you don't owe me anything, then there's no bitterness. You know, I'm not keeping score. Hey, girl, so. I'm interested in you yeah. sexually, but you don't owe me anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to circle back, we're saying that a nice guy in all contexts with relationship is a giver masquerading as a matcher. I, I, quote, I, nice, quote guy. nice guy. A yeah. pretend nice guy. Again. The, oh, wait. No, I have that backwards. A matcher masquerading as, as a, giver. As a giver. As a giver. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This goes across the board. If you are interested in somebody for something that you want from them and you're doing nice things just to get something out of them, yeah. then that is something that is that is interesting. Well, I, th- I think this basically creates the... This allows you to, to to detect the difference is basically, again, the timeline issue where it's like, if I do something nice for you, am I a matcher? Am I a giver? Oh, it seems like a giver. Well, you don't do anything nice for me. Oh, well, fuck you. It's like, okay, then that's, you're not a giver. See, the giver. The giver would be more like, hey, sure, how can I help? You know, versus if you're keeping score, and this is why givers can get exploited, you know, it's not black and white, but the issue of if you're immediately keeping score, you owe me, that's more of a matcher attitude versus the giver attitude would be like, I wasn't expecting anything from you. I do favors for people all the time. Hey, that's cool. Let me help out. Now, here, here's the wrinkle mm-hmm. for me is that I don't think like each one of us at the table is like, I'm a giver. You're a matcher. Yeah. You're a taker. Like, yeah. like we adopt different personas in different relationships. Ab- absolutely. You know, absolutely. so like, I think that that's, I think the way we're talking about it is like, this person's a taker, you know, yeah. and it, see them sneaking around. Like you get free pizza at a party and they have four slices when everybody yeah. should just have fucking two. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Cause like, I'll be honest at work. Yeah. I'm a taker. Yeah. When it's, <laughs> when it's pizza day, I'm a fucking monster and I do it real sneaky. So they like, I eat the first one real quick. So then when I'm on my second one, that's when everybody thinks it's my first. I, I think about this shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm an awful person. Yeah, when it comes to free pizza day at work. No, context context plays a huge part. Otherwise, that person who is who is the jerk at work, you'd be like, how do they how do they deal with their kids? You know, how do I? I want to go to the park. No, that doesn't benefit me. You know, it's like that. Obviously, people are different in different scenarios. And uh, I think you, know. you also change. I'm assuming like having a child might hopefully change your way so that you're not so much a taker you're more of a giver because you have you know people to raise Mm, maybe towards your child or or you or you might be hey pal i don't have time to help you out got to take care of the kid sorry so are you saying like like what are you saying that it is better in the long run to be a giver because that'll make you happier like at the end of your days what what you see very often is givers if they if they show a modicum if they if they do a few things to make sure that they're not exploited that very often not in every scenario like card counting you're not going to win every hand but if you get the if you get the, the the numbers in your favor over time you will do better if givers do a few things you know having matchers around them you know not they there's one of the things they talk about in the research is chunking versus sprinkling in other words if you take one day and i know you guys are gonna go to town on that one chunking uh, is, versus is, is, sprinkling is, is the issue of like constantly doing favors for go people. to the bathroom uh, chunk or sprinkle <laughs> <laughs> if you're constantly doing things sprinkling you're constantly doing favors for everybody whenever they need them that's when givers just get exhausted and depleted mm. versus if you say Hey, uh, four days a week, I need to bust my hump and make sure I'm doing well. But on Friday, my door's open. 
you know, ask me for help. I'm happy to help just do whatever I can. As long as you put in certain safeguards, giving over the long term is usually what pays off. You know, so that's that's again, house edge, that's what benefits you, but there's no perfect system. Eric, your main point is the shadow of the future. Yeah. So are you saying that everyone is primarily extrinsically motivated? I'm not saying everyone is extrinsically motivated, you know, primarily. I'm I'm just otherwise I don't you don't know what's going on in someone else's head. I can't know where they're coming from. So I can't take the kind of what is their emotional, unique perspective. I, I can never know that. What I can know is rationally and from an economic lens, this benefits them more. So Ceteris Paribus, they are more likely to do that. So I can make bets based on that because that's quantifiable to some degree. Uh, you know, people are different. People, there's emotionally unstable, emotionally volatile. I don't know. But I can bet that in general, if incentives say they'll do this, they're more likely to do that. So if you are stepping back from a purely ethical perspective, and you're saying, hey, what be- if I pay people more, they do a better job. I pay people less, they don't do as good a job. So I'm not saying they are, but but that's one factor that on average you can count on. Okay, interesting. So I have something in common with you, Eric. I have written about this phenomenon yeah. too. Uh, in my in my book, Fuck Whales, yeah. I have a chapter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, same book, basically. Whales uh, are the nice guys of the sea. <laughs> fuck them. Uh, but I wrote a chapter called Fuck People Who Want to Get Rid of Jerks. Yeah. And I wrote about this same psychological phenomenon of jerks being, you know, going ahead in life and becoming managers. And uh, there was a study a little while back. I read this in a, a business journal where they talked about how how a lot of people feel like their boss is incompetent. And it's not just in your head. A lot of times your boss is incompetent. And the reason that they get to that position of management is because they ask and take more. Absolutely. Not because they deserve it. Absolutely. But what, what happens is this interesting phenomenon is when the jerk comes in and asks for more, they get it. And then when they get it, they get psychologically healthier. They feel like they're more confident and they feel like they're more uh, bold and that that emboldens them to continue to ask for more so they will just get to the uh, get to the top and I, I recounted this uh this story of a person who said that they had a friend who was like this you know this uh, this um, blowhard and a jerk and just always asking people for way more than he should and he told a story about this guy on a lake and they were going around and their uh, their jet ski went out or something like that and they wanted to use a jet ski so they went to the shore and they found this eight-year-old kid and they said, hey, kid, do you do you have a jet ski? Do your parents have a jet ski? And he's like, yeah. He goes, can we borrow it? And the kid's like, <laughs> uh, I, I I don't have permission. He goes, go ask your mom. And so, <laughs> so, so he did. The kid and, and, and everybody was kind of like floored. Like, how is this guy being such a jerk to this kid? How how would you impose so much on somebody? Yeah. Right. And believe it or not, the parents came out and they're like, yeah, I guess you can borrow our jet ski. And he got it. He got what he wanted. And the psychological reason behind it is... Because deep down, everybody wants a jet ski. Everybody wants a jet ski. <laughs> it's true. But the, the psychologist like kind of broke down this, this phenomenon. And what happens is when you ask somebody for something that is way above and beyond what you should get, yeah. reasonably yeah. expect, right? The person who asks isn't seen as the imposer. The person who then denies the request is seen as somebody who's doing something wrong or bad. Is that what happens when like a homeless guy asks me for like ten dollars? You're you're you more get, likely to give it or no, no no no. But you ever have that happen to you where you're walking down the street and somebody yeah. down on their luck is like not asking for change or a dollar. They're like, hey, can I borrow, can I have ten dollars? Yeah, ten dollars. That's 
Well, it's a lot of fucking money. So if somebody asks, so here's the thing: I've I've given I've given more consideration to people asking for more money than less. Yeah. So if somebody if somebody <laughs> asks me for a quarter, right? I'm like, no, I, I don't have change. Sorry. Uh, if somebody asks for like twenty bucks, I'm like, well, hold on. Why do you need twenty bucks? Why twenty? That's a lot of money. Greg for- Cardone actually says that that's what uh, homeless people should be doing. He says that they should be asking for thirty dollars. Yeah, I've I've actually <laughs> I remember one time I did give twenty dollars to somebody who said their car broke down. I believe their story, and they said they'd pay me back the next day. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I think they tried, but uh, I was more likely to give. And, and that's the same phenomenon with uh, you know, like Kickstarters and things like that. If you're trying to make a movie, if you're trying to fund a movie, if you ask for fifty thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars, forget it. You got to shoot for millions. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Do you, you know how many Kickstarter rewards I haven't gotten? Where are all the Kickstarter? Where's my fucking button? Yeah. There's so many Kickstarter campaigns that I've. What does the button do? It fucking makes me look like I donated. If you donate to a Kickstarter, are you a matcher, taker, or giver? <laughs> well, I think I think you also have two things going on there, which is you know first kind of the issue of attention, where. Hey, can I have a quarter? You, you, like most people already have their default answer loaded up and ready to go. Like, can I have a quarter? No. Can I have a quarter? No. You know, can I have ten dollars? It makes you stop and go. Why is he asking for ten dollars? Now, all of a sudden, they have your attention. Immediately, that puts them into a separate. And then it's like, can I have ten dollars and twenty six cents? Okay, why is he there asking you. for $10 and 20 cents? Now you're curious, you're thinking, you're seeing There's them as a, a human being. Right it's not this like default reflex. No, no. It's like, I, I mean, I think just that attention, the fact that you made him ask a question, now you got a story. Yeah. Like, and then you give them the chance to feel good about themselves and stuff. Oh, well, I didn't realize I was helping a human being. I right. mean, so it's like now you've got so much going for you by, by just getting the person to snap out of that kind of work, click, automatic response and to like treat you like a human being yeah 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 it's an interesting phenomenon so uh i'll give you the final word on this do nice guys finish last what do you think eric i think if you if if nice guys do a handful of things to cover their butt in the end nice guys finish first hey there it is interesting all right guys well now's your chance to vote don't forget to vote on madcastmedia.com that's madcastmedia and that's where the voicemail number is which We'll get to in just a second, but first... And real quick, um, quick question. What are the specific things that you're saying to givers to cover their butt? Uh, Bob Sutton teaches at uh, Stanford Graduate School of Business, and the piece of advice he gives to every class of students uh, at final class every every time before people people are done with this class, he says is... Because these are MBA students. He's like, when you interview at a company, he's like, look around. He's like, because you're going to become like them, they're not going to become like you. Peer pressure affects us through our entire lives. He's like, and so if you look around and you don't like the type of people that work there, you're going to become more like them. They're not going to become like you. He's like, so so think wisely. So that issue of if you're a giver going into a place around that's totally takers, you're going to be on the bottom of this. At, 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 at best, you're going to be exploited. At worst, you're going to become a bad person too. Um, versus... If you can surround yourself with matchers or other givers, with matchers, matchers will protect you. You get defense, you get shields. With other givers, you're going to be finding ways to make their lives better. They're going to be trying to find ways to make your your life better. So you get exponential rewards. And even if you're in a company that is disproportionately takers or you're in an environment disproportionately takers, you need to get to know the other givers that you can kind of circle the wagons. The other thing is the trunking versus sprinkling, where you have time dedicated to promoting yourself, doing what you need to do, 
And then you can set aside time to help others. It's not this constant trying to make other people's lives better. I take time every morning to chunk. Uh, well, that's I'm doing it right now. <laughs> and the other the other thing you really want to be thinking about as well is learning something from the quote unquote bad guys. And that is, like you were saying, the issue of I I'm going to do good things, but I want to make sure my boss hears about them. Yeah. I want to make sure I don't want to sit uh, there and get bitter. Yeah. I, I'm doing these things because I think it's the right thing, because I like helping people. But you know what? My boss can't give me a promotion based on stuff I did that he doesn't know about right. or that she doesn't know about. Got to so, brag. Yeah. So it's like it's like that critical element. You know, your narcissists are out there telling everybody how awesome they are all Man, the time. I am so glad I asked this question. It's almost <laughs> like I deserve a promotion. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's that thing. You know what? So speaking of promotions, this is your chance to vote on whether or not Ron <laughs> Oh my gosh. promotion. Yes. You're up. You're up. I mean, listen, I've been a, I've been an integral component of the podcast. Yeah. I'm asking insightful questions. Mm, we'll see. We'll see, Ron. Keep buttering okay. up the listeners. We'll see if that helps. We'll see. We're going to find out in just a second this whether or not it helps This is going to end with out. me and Taylor like fighting to the death. So, speaking of the vote, I have the results from last week's oh, debate. Oh, excellent. Right? So, last week, Eric, we debated what's the problem with Apu, the, the, character, <laughs> yeah. the character from The Simpsons. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a comedian named Hari Kondabolu. Who has a problem with the poo because he says it's a it's a, a, a racist stereotype and, and a caricature of Indian people and doesn't paint them in a, a positive light and is voiced by a white person and you know he had a huge problem he made a documentary about it so I asked the audience what's the problem with the poo and the choices were he stereotypes Indian people versus nothing people who bully with stereotypes are idiots so that was those were the two options to vote on and. I have the results in with 90% of the vote. Nothing. <laughs> people, my, my audience thought that people who bully others based on stereotypes are idiots. It's not Apu who is the problem, the character Apu. Then I asked our audience whether or not our own Taylor Nikolai deserves a promotion. Because right now he's our junior journalist. He could have gotten a promotion. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. We got the results in. What do you think, Ron? Did he get it? Yeah, I think he did actually. The options, the options I think were, he did. That were hell yes or hell no. <laughs> and with 69% of the vote. Nice. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I wanted to live in a world where I believed that he could get a promotion. He could. I don't deserve it. Yeah, well, no one's disagreeing with you, Taylor. I, including me, the audience, everybody. Your everybody lack of self-esteem has been validated. They're, they're. I just do whatever matters. That's what happens when you're a giver in a land of takers. Yeah, yeah. junior journalist. Well, I'm glad y your decision has been validated, Maddox. Yeah. Well, you know, I my decision based is based on the voting, and it's binding. So we're going to ask this week if Ron Babcock, our own uh, Ron I'm Babcock, fucking screwed. he's a deputy cadet moderator, could get a promotion. We'll see. Vote on the website, madcastmedia.com. But we should get to some voicemail. I got a bunch of voicemail this week. We have someone on this network. His name is Jesse P.S. from Pot Awful, and he called in to... Uh, so leave us a voicemail about the Apu controversy, the uh, the debate that we had last week. Listen to this. Maddox, you fucking retard. <laughs> hey, it's your friend Jesse from Pot Awful. Remember me? <laughs> anyway, you, all right, let's start off with the fact that you named Kumail Nanjiani as an example of Indian actors oh, changing the stereotypes out there. Guess what? Idiot, he's from Pakistan. <laughs> 
Team Pakistani. Forgot about that. Actually, I don't care. You can say whatever you want about him. <laughs> you know what? He could be from Vietnam for all I care. All right. Well, that was it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Kamal Nanjiani is Pakistani, but he was included in the documentary, was he not? I think he was. I watched the whole thing, by the way, after we recorded the episode, and I watched the whole thing. And Hari gets so pissed off that Hank Azaria wouldn't do an interview on camera. And Hank Azaria wrote him this very nice email. He's like, hey, man, I understand this. You know, you have this problem with this character. I don't know what the solution is, but I don't feel comfortable coming on your show, your your documentary, to represent the entire cast of The Simpsons yeah. on this yeah. one issue. Mm-hmm. He said, I got this job a long time ago, blah, 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 whatever. And, and you know, he did. At the time, when The Simpsons was first becoming a pilot, they sat down in a room with a very limited budget with a bunch of people. This is just myself saying this right now. This isn't from the documentary. But they sat down in a room with a bunch of voice actors, like, you know, five or ten. And they had a very limited budget. And each one of those voice actors voiced, like, ten or twenty characters because they had – to make their money last, right? They had to stretch that dollar. And yeah, they got Hank Azaria to do the Apu character. Uh, I don't think it was because they had this uh, this sinister motive. Uh, I think I'm, I agree with our guest last week, Lisa Allman. She said that she's interested in interesting stories. So it doesn't matter where it comes from if it's an interesting story that you haven't heard before. Now, I think I'm on board with that. Slumdog Millionaire, about uh, 10 years ago, I think, won the Academy Award. And I, I finally saw the movie, and it was great. It was a brilliant, brilliant movie. The, all the characters were uh, very rich. There was no one-dimensional bad guy. Even the people who were the antagonists in the movie were interesting because they, they were motivated by not just evil, but their their desires to make the world a better place. I just saw Marvel's uh, Avengers 3, whatever the new Avengers movie. Infinity, Infinity War. War. Infinity War, yeah. And Thanos... Yeah. Right. Easy. Hey, yeah. Easy. Yeah. You Some know. of us haven't seen it yet. Oh no. Oh no. Spoilers. Yeah. This is spoiler of a movie <laughs> that some of us are excited to watch. I, I'm I've such honestly, an asshole. I've never seen such like uh, people t- saying "Don't say spoilers" like I have do, with this movie before. So, like, be very yeah. careful. I don't. I, oh, I apparently can't give any fucking spoilers. I'll just. I just want to talk about Thanos. Is it Thanos <laughs> as his character? I always say to just be careful. I, okay. okay. <laughs> Just yeah. wash the fucking lemon, man. Okay, you know wash what? Wash the lemon before you use it. <laughs> annoyed. Come on, come on. I'm annoyed. Go, go, go. Thanos, the character, yeah. right? He has his motivation in the movie, and everyone thinks, oh, he's such a bad guy. He's evil. I'm thinking, well, what is his motivation? <laughs> you know? He's like... You're, you're rooting for the bad guy? I'm not rooting for him, yeah. but I understand... I understand where he's coming from. <laughs> I'm a big fan of villains. Like, yeah, I would feel like that too. Well, you know, it's a flawed philosophy that he has, and and it's not one that's justified yeah. necessarily. But you think his heart's in the right place? You think it's like I don't, uh, it's I like don't the know. villain in a Spider-Man: Homecoming, where it's like the guy's trying to provide for his family. <laughs> he tried to do the right thing, but yeah. then the government got involved. I was like, I kind of see where he's coming from. Now, a dumb villain, a, a villain that's actually just moving you know, out of malice and evil, is like Dr. Doom, who's just trying to make everybody scarred like he is, yeah. because he was a beautiful man who yeah. was too much of a dumb idiot who yeah. put his mask on before it cooled down. You know that's the origin story of Dr. Doom? <laughs> he couldn't wait. He couldn't, he couldn't wait. So he took his put mask out. Put on a nice of- guy! <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Anyway... Go see Avengers Infinity Wars, and then we can spoil about no, it. All. 
Yeah. I think it's. I think that's an interesting. Let me tell you, Maddox is a super fun person to go to the movies with. <laughs> hey, if you like somebody interrupting your movie experience with their <laughs> opinions of that moment, he is the guy to watch a movie that, with. That's him. I've heard. I think I've been in movies with you before. Well, I just didn't know. Man, all these people are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, I got a, a voicemail about that. Listen to this guy because a couple episodes I got. I talked about how I smoked pot for the first time, and this guy doesn't believe it. Listen to this. Maddox, 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 dude. Nobody is going to believe your story that you smoked the joint because marijuana is supposed to chill you out. So, like, it doesn't add up. Come on, man. <laughs> Wrong. I'm one of the most chill people. I this know. is one of the leading researchers on marijuana, I think. Who that just, guy? Yeah, I yeah. think that, that, sounded, yeah. that sounded like an informed opinion. Well, speaking of informed opinions, this, this we had another caller calling in about porn. Because I talked about representation, you know, last last week, and then he also had an interesting observation about The Simpsons, which I don't know very many people have pointed out. I think I'm going to uh, take the mantle on this one, but listen to this. Hey, Lord Maddox, it's Link. Two things. First, in the last episode, you said you never experienced representation on television, but if you dig way back in the podcast, you said that for the longest time, the only porn you used to watch starred gentlemen who looked just like you. Yeah. As always, porn is the most progressive platform. <laughs> Second thing, I wanted to point out that Bart Simpson, a yellow young male child, is voiced by Nancy Cartwright, a white female adult. Oh, that's right. There's that documentary. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Love the show. Good fucking point. Oh, yeah. So yeah. here we are. Where's the white male documentary about how we're all persecuted? <laughs> no, I think the when point is... When is someone going to tell our story? No, but, but I think the point is, if you want to criticize The Simpsons for misrepresenting or, or hiring someone that doesn't even represent the character they're playing, the fucking most popular character on the entire Simpsons is voiced by a woman. This they have no stake, no horse in this race. They don't give a shit. This isn't about misrepresenting race or taking advantage or whatever. They're just trying to make a good fucking TV show, and they happen to have a woman who made a funny voice for Bart, and they hired her. So where's the fucking outcry for that? How do you feel about that, Hari? You okay with that one? I mean, obviously, yeah. <laughs> I think you can be okay with one thing and be mad at another. I'm gonna make a documentary. What's the problem with Bart Simpson? <laughs> I, th I think you've also got your debate for next week. And then yeah. the is porn is porn the most progressive platform? Yeah. yeah, there's your. I think there's. I think I think there's your next debate. So, That's I, actually, I, you know, the a lot of sports and porn is what really drives technology. And like the video player industry, you know why your video player runs so smooth? Because of porn. Boogie nights. I mean, yeah. no, it it it's it's an interest. It's an interesting thought experiment. I don't I don't know I don't know how actually true it is, but it's like it definitely made me think when he said the it. The cryptocurrency uh, Verge has teamed up with Pornhub, and a lot of people are saying that that's going to progress cryptocurrency quite a bit. So like even that kind of technology. Yeah, well, it goes back to ancient Greek times too. There is so much art that we don't have in our art history books mm -hmm. that is erotic. And I'm talking like yep. entire books worth of art, erotic art that nobody includes in their art history books. Have you seen that shit? Like That's the, the fucking, Greeks? I've, I took art history. Yeah. And now I'm real pissed off that that wasn't included. Yeah. Look up Greek erotic art, and it's the most hilarious shit. I is it just like dicks that go on for like days? Yes. Yes. There's this one That's There's awesome. this one picture. It kind of inspired uh, one of my chapters, uh, Boners, in uh, <laughs> <laughs> B, B is for Boners in the Alphabet of Manliness. There's an old Greek, uh, I think, uh, um, 
a, a painting or something, like a fresco of this guy who's just like, he looks like a regular dude with a beard and he's got this giant fucking boner that looks like a scimitar. <laughs> and it's, it's hilarious. And I'm thinking, my God, the Greeks figured it out. They figured out how to make funny shit way back before anyone else did. This is hilarious. Why am I? Have I never seen this in an art history book? It should be as popular as the Mona Lisa. Taylor, did you just? Look I, it I'm up? looking at pictures on Google Images, and it's very funny. Right? It's hilarious. Well, it makes you wonder how, how much of how much of like education, you know, it's like, do we get put through the censorship filter? Yeah, where it's like, so you're not hearing about, so it's not event. appropriate. Oh well, well, and then and then therefore, how accurate is it if we're removing all of that? I mean, right. you know, hey, Trojan War was a fight over a girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, plain and simple. <laughs> I mean, but you got to ask yourself. It's like, okay, you know, it's like if if they're not, if that was such a percentage of it, and you're not seeing that in art history classes, then how accurate are we being? There's a lot, and Mozart's another one of these examples. Yeah. Mozart was obsessed with scatological humor. He loved shit jokes, and there's an entire Wikipedia page if you look it up. Mozart and uh, scatology, and he loves the shit. Mm-hmm. He made so many shit jokes. He would send letters to people that were just shit jokes. He loved farting. <laughs> he loved. All the stuff, and this is like something where our, like, like even musicians are such stodgy people. You know, they're just like kind of like you know heads up their asses and they're real stuffy, <laughs> and they don't like to acknowledge this. Mozart, find- Mozart wrote a song called "Lick My Arse." Yeah, <laughs> Mozart loved shit humor. And that's the thing. Why they, am I learning about this for the first well, they, time? They, they, do, they do kind of depict it in Amadeus, like like soft. A little well, he's bit, like, yeah. Yeah. he's farting and like laughing about it, and he's like, being very, it's very It's a very soft. Yeah, it's a very yeah. soft version of it. But it's like, I mean, no, they they probably. I did. I didn't know that that was one of. Yeah. I didn't know that was on the top of his iTunes hit, but. <laughs> What else you got, Taylor? Uh, this is something, uh, 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 a letter on November 5th, 1777, uh, a Mozart cousin. Uh, whatever, I'm going to just read it. Well, I wish you good night, but first shit in your bed and make it burst. Sleep soundly, my love. Into your mouth, your arse, sh- you'll shove. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Mozart had tons of the shit. He wrote tons what of shit this? poetry. That's the thing. Musicians, they're so stuffy, like academics. They're, they want to focus on the genius of Mozart. <laughs> but the reality is he was kind of a fuck up and he loved shit jokes. <laughs> he died penniless. Like, that's the thing about these people. Like, we censor so much of this art oh, absolutely. because they don't want, they want students to pay attention in class and take they it want seriously. The, the noble side to come yeah. through. You gotta do a video on this. Oh, absolutely. Th- like, yeah. for real. You know like, what? Maybe I will. I Taylor. had no Actually, idea. Yeah, yeah, I would like to know, like, the actual realities of these pe- uh, geniuses we, like, kind of oh. applaud throughout history it's, and the realities of it. The, in, the, in the first chapter of my book is all about, like, the issue of playing by the rules and being successful. And, there is. It's like uh, Dean Keith Simonton uh, is this researcher who looks at like what makes people great historically. And you often see this is people who like score off the charts on like, you know, being psychopathic. Whatever, they don't do very well. But when you look at the most successful creative people, there's an issue of just enough. They often score way above on it. Not to the point where you're running around stabbing people. Not, but it's like but traditional poking. artists. The first, the first story I, I tell in the book uh, is about there's this race called the, the Race Across America. And it is the most brutal thing in the world. It is not like the Tour de France. It is a race that goes from basically Atlantic City. It's bicycling from Atlantic City to San Diego across 3,000 miles, and there is no stages, there is no stops. 
So in other words, if you stop to rest, to eat, to pee, to anything, the other people can pass you. Wow. The clock starts and then it stops. And they usually make it in like 12 days. So it is just grueling and punishing. And the dude who won it time after time after time was certifiably insane. Like, I mean, he, because he, he would seek, he would see hidden messages in the sidewalk. He thought Mujahideen were chasing him. He, but because of that same thing, he basically didn't feel pain and he could keep going. So the issue of when does crazy produce success? When does crazy, when is crazy crazy? And when's kind of crazy? This is a legitimate issue where yeah. you've got some people who like Mozart. Hey, mm, great over here, a little bit crazy over there. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes produces results. Interesting. Well, that, I hadn't heard about uh, of that. What's the race called? The Race Across America. Race Across America. Well, speaking of races, here is another voice. Of all. <laughs> Listen to this guy. He has an interesting observation because uh, uh, I'm Armenian, and we talked about uh, and we had uh, Lisa Ullman la on last week. She's Jewish. Listen to this one. Hey, Lord Maddox, it's me. I was thinking about uh, all these issues, and I was realizing it would suck to be Jewish and Armenian because then people would deny the Holocaust twice, and it would hurt <laughs> twice as much. That would Jesus be the Christ. worst way to, yeah, you could, I don't even know if that's possible, being Jewish and Armenian, but you could deny both Holocausts, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could. He's yeah. technically kind of right. Although, statistically unlikely, because you will have survived too. <laughs> Oh I can make that, I can make that joke. It's me. I can do it. Uh, and here's one last one. This one is a call. So a couple episodes ago, I talked about uh, how I'm into chicks who are hot babes who ha who have like the philosophy and personality of a lumberjack. Oh yeah, <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a call. I I have a bite on that. Listen, to <laughs> Jesus. Hey, Maddox. I'm a female lumberjack, but we like to be called. Lumberjanes, and I'd love to go on a date with you sometime. Maybe if you're lucky, afterwards, I'll show you my wood. You should invite your little friend Taylor, too. Might have some vitamin D for him. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah, I I don't think that was a lumber, a real lumber, Jill. All right. If you didn't get the vitamin D joke a few weeks ago, yeah. I discovered I had my blood tested yeah. and I was severely low on vitamin D. Oh, and uh, vitamin D is also another way of saying dick. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're offering me penis. Yeah. That's okay. Because he's low on it. I, no, I, I'm got looking, it. I'm looking at the Centrum bottle completely differently. Try now, and keep but, up, man. Okay. I I didn't realize what I was getting. Well, uh, Thank you for that explanation, Taylor, of uh, vitamin D. Now it's time for some quick news headlines with our junior journalist, Taylor Nikolai. The world's old oldest known spider has died at the age of 43, outliving its nearest rival by 15 years, oh. Australian scientists have reported. Hold on, a spider? The world's oldest spider? How the fuck do they know it's the world's oldest spider? Happy birthday. <laughs> Affectionately known as number 16, the female Gaius Velosus. <laughs> or trapdoor spider, had been under observation in the wild since its birth in 1974. Previously, the oldest known spider was a tarantula in Mexico, which died at the age of 28. This is from Telegraph. Wow, man. Wow. Affectionately. I don't think... That's yeah. not, number 16, 16, that's not an affectionate term. No. You generally don't show a sign of affection by assigning numbers to people. <laughs> Do you like spiders? Do I like spiders? Yeah. Um, people either I love like, spiders or they hate them. I have an interesting philosophy on that. I like spiders who are humble. 
And <laughs> there is there is a difference between the different species of spiders. And what I'm talking about is sometimes I'll see a spider barreling towards me on the ground, right? Or, or it's going along its little path. It's going pretty fast. And I'll put my hand or foot down in front of it. And I'll yeah. stomp it down really hard. Yeah. And I'll watch what the spider does. The humble spider will stop, <laughs> observe the situation, assess me as a threat, and turn the fuck around. The arrogant spider yeah. will continue barreling straight ahead. And that arrogant spider gets the bottom side of my shoe every fucking time. I hate those spiders. Yeah. They're now making vodka from San Francisco fog. Hangar 1, a California-produced artisanal vodka, employs a fog-catching net. What? Actual fog? Yes. Real fog. Fog-catching netting technology. Mist is converted into fresh water, which is then combined with Napa Valley-sourced wine. Finally, the liquid is distilled and turned into a limited-edition spirit. Fog-catching is considered a possible way to combat drought. This is from MarketWatch.com. Fog is just cloud farts. That's from from MarketingGimmick.com? What's (laughs) MarketWatch.com. MarketWatch. MarketWatch is a great show. I love MarketWatch. MarketWatch is great. I, I just... I... Yeah. Fog. Okay. Like, here's my philosophy on I, on air. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I only like. Be, be, be careful. You're surrounded by it. I don't like this arrogant fog. <laughs> First, I take a breath. <laughs> if it responds, <laughs> I don't know about that. Fog. Fo- here's my thing. My thing about air. If I can see it. I don't want to breathe it. <laughs> it's very simple. If, if, if it's something I can see, I don't want it in my lungs. How, how does this tie into your marijuana discussion earlier? I, I'm not a pot smoker. <laughs> I, I, I got I basically had to smoke pot because I uh, got, I bit off more than I can chew mm-hmm. by sneaking into a pot party, mm-hmm. and uh, I felt like uh, there was a lot of pressure. Otherwise, people would think I was I was a narc. There were cool so. black people there. A lot of cool black people. Everybody there was cool and black. Yeah, anyway. except for you. Smallville actress Allison Mack, who was arrested last week for her role in a sex cult, had apparently tried to lure Emma Watson into her movement. Mack sent tweets to uh, both Harry Potter star Watson as, lo- as well as singer Kelly Clarkson about an, quote, amazing women's movement she thought they might be interested in. Mack, 35, pleaded not guilty to charges of sex trafficking and forced labor on Friday. Interesting. So this is the what movie show or TV show is she from? Smallville. 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 Which Andy Mack. Saw it's about Superman. Yeah. Allison Mack, right? I believe so. It, it ran for like a decade. Yeah. I they made a reference to me in a Smallville episode. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. A long time ago, there was an episode in Smallville where the kid's father is sitting. Down, and I've never seen the show, so I don't know. I've only seen this one clip, but he's sitting down at a computer looking at his son's browser history, and, and he said something like. He's reading someone named Maddox? Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, in a Smallville episode. And so I didn't even know that was there until like one of my fans caught it and sent it to me. Wow. But they referenced awesome. me, yeah. That's and I've so never cool. even seen the show, so. So what's the Allison Mack thing that's going on where she's in part of some sex cult? Yeah. So she was uh, involved in a sex cult, and I don't know how to pronounce this. It's N-X-I-V-M. Niv- Niv- so what is a sex cult? Like what? What, are, what does that mean? I was involved in a sex cult. Well, like, so this keeping people against her will. Well, that's what I was gonna say. If you're getting in trouble for trafficking, this mm. this specific one had a, a component of brainwashing to it. So people who joined the sex cult had to pledge their allegiance to it. It became like Fight Club. They couldn't talk about it, and the women were branded with the logo of the sex cult. Was it like a hashtag? No, it was not. It's that it's NVXIM or whatever. A- NX. 
XIVM. Yeah, an XIVM. And the women who joined a sex cult at some point, if they didn't want to perform or they wanted to leave, whatever, it became more than just this consensual thing that they were involved in. They were they felt obligated to, st- to stick around in the sex cult and uh, continue to, you know, perform. And where was it? Like, Albany, Albany County, New York. Yeah, That's what was their phone number? What's their website? Like, yeah, where, cool. Where's this weird? Do they thing? have like a free pass day or something like that? <laughs> or like a... Very creepy. Uh, uh, NXIVM is a multi-level marketing organization. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow! That it's offers like Amway with sex. That offers personal and professional development seminars. They but... also have a new vodka coming out made out of fog. <laughs> <laughs> and ju- just to be clear, it absolutely was a sex cult. Uh, like I- I've read some things uh, about this that I, I don't want to repeat. Yeah, it's, they did some creepy shit in this in this cult. And the guy, I think, it became almost like a religion. And they had to live in Albany. Oh, what's worse? <laughs> I don't know. I've never been there. I'm sure it's a lovely know. town. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard like, is that Northern New York? Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that Simpsons episode recently, the one with the um, Principal Skinner, where the uh, steamed hams, the steamed hams <laughs> episode. Oh, steamed hams. It's a... It's an Albany expression. (laughs) (laughs) Miami Beach police are cracking down on drivers blasting loud music from car stereos as they cruise around the city. Beginning this weekend, a special police detail will pull over cars for blaring music, and drivers who refuse to turn down the volume could wind up in handcuffs from MiamiHerald.com. How do you feel about this, Maddox? Yeah, Uh, (laughs) Miami is the loudest city I've ever been to. Yeah? Yeah. I think I used to be against loud cars, and now I'm kind of for because I think it's hilarious. No. I like listening to their music. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> Fuck that. No, I was in Miami. I was staying at a hotel. I was being put up in this nice, nice hotel. And I could hear the house music from yeah. the lobby just going. It's like 2 a.m. I got to get up early for this work meeting. It's going. And I go out to the lobby. No one's in the lobby. No one. And I go, hey, man, can you guys turn down the music? And he's like... Sorry, bro. I can't do that. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm staying here. I'm staying here. I'm, I'm right there. I'm at the first room. I want to go to bed, but I can't because of the house music. He's like, yeah, man. But you know, it's like, we got to keep the party going. And I turn, I'm like, there is no one at this party. And he's like, yeah, but if we turn it down, man, then definitely nobody's going to come to the party. And it just was like, so I ended up just sleeping with a pillow over my head. And I'm like, fuck Miami. Yeah. Because hmm. you're having a good time. You can have a good time. Why does everybody else have to have a good time at the exact people, same time people, as you? People don't come to this hotel for quiet. Call fucking you know, headphones. I I catch myself sometimes wearing my noise-canceling headphones like around the house. I live like right off a of sunset. And, yeah. and and at times, I'll just be like, eh, no, and I'll, pu- I'll put them back on. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, I don't know. But mm. no, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I think I'm staying against. If, I think they're, I'm staying against. if, if they're driving by yeah. and it's really loud... I always think it's hilarious because I want to. I get a little bit, a little glimpse of the person driving by. I know. I think I make a an entire uh, profile in my mind of the yeah. of the type of person who would do that. Yeah. And it's it's always it's always funny yeah. to me. I never write it down or tell people, but in my mind, it's a very funny caricature. Well, I just want to go through parts of town where people play their music loud, but I just want to start cranking NPR. You know, yeah. so it's just like just a little fresh air with Terry Gross, just all the way up. So the law is a hundred feet if it can be heard within a hundred feet. A hundred feet. What are they going to get a measuring tape? They they get out measuring tape. Bunch of curmudgeons. I I've listened to yeah I listen I usually crank my NPR when I come to stop <laughs> stop stop signs and yeah I'm not uh, you know I listen I do like NPR 
It's a on the new Thai show, Let Me In, a struggling contestant uh, go in front of a panel of doctors who help give them, in many cases, a brand new face. In one episode of the third season, a man called Mon Lin explains a birth deformity has left him with a lot of trouble. He says he has not been able to find a decent job because he didn't look, quote, normal. His jaws didn't close straight, resulting in a severe underbite, which often led to him drooling, affecting his social life severely. He was uh, then flown out from the show to South Korea for his makeover, and he underwent a lot of surgery with the focus on his jaw. And if you see the before and after, he, it it looks like a different person. I always see those when when people have severe reconstructive facial surgery, even though it doesn't look quite normal. It's, well, it's so way much, better. Yeah, yeah so yeah, much absolutely. of an improvement. Yeah. Um. So what's this show called? Get a new face. Fuck it's face. It's called what's... Let Me In. Ew. Not to be confused with that vampire movie that came out like ten years. Oh, ago. That movie sucked. Everyone loved it. <laughs> Garbage movie. I couldn't, and and the the lead in that movie. Come on, man! Spoilers, Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah, spoiler. It sucked. Uh, anyway, anything else, Taylor? No. All right, thank you so much, Eric. Your book is barking up the wrong tree. People can find it on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. It's a bestseller. Nice cover design, by the way. Oh, th- thank you very much. Yeah, very it. cool. And who's the publisher? That was Harper. Uh, Harper right? Collins. Harper yeah. Collins. Yeah, mm-hmm. very cool book, guys. Check it out. It's in stores everywhere. Eric Parker, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to be here, man. Thank you. Thank you to the junior journalist Taylor Nikolai. I'm here for you, Maddox. Thank you to the deputy cadet moderator Ron Babcock. Thank you, Maddox. But most of all. You're welcome. Uh, hi, Maddox. Uh, I was just wondering when you were just going to admit that you were uh, gay. Because, uh, I mean, it's like pretty obvious right now. Uh, like, you, first you had Rucka on the show, and now you have Taylor on the show. So it's it's pretty obvious you're interested in twinks. Also, you're like kind of a bear. Um, and, you know, the reason why you like cottage cheese is because it reminds you of semen. And it just let me know when you're ready to come out the closet. Okay. Yeah, what an asshole. <laughs> it's it's none of his business. Douchebag yeah. of the week. Douchebag of the week. Another douchebag of the week. We started the show with a douchebag, ended the show with a douchebag. Hey there. Don't forget to subscribe to Madcast shows on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Okay, bye. Madcast Media Network. <laughs>